Welcome back to another quarantine edition of Pot on You Loons. Pot on You Loons, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, even though it's virtually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the best we can do these days, right? That's true. We're doing what we can. This episode will be a little bit different. There has not been much news in the past week. The MLS is still not uh, on schedule to return until at least May 10th. However, no teams are practicing, um, nor have any plans uh, for players to return to their practice facilities. Those plans have not been announced. So May 10th, I, I have a just a suspicion that's going to get bumped back, Justin. Right, just like anything else. Feels like everything's like, we're going to set a date, and then we get like a week out, think about it again, try something else, right? Yeah, so this Probably is going to be... <laughs> Yeah, instead, we're going to do the long-awaited Gam and Tam episode. Uh, we're going to go over basically 101 on the MLS roster rules, you know, their finance rules, designated players, general allocation money, targeted allocation money, all sorts of fun, right, Justin? So much fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it entertaining <laughs> as much as we can. And I, I think this is going to be informative for a lot of people, right? Because these are these are things that you and I even talked about you know, obviously before this research, we didn't really know anything either. Yeah. Here's the thing is you see these articles where it'll say, Icapara was purchased for this much money and allocation money to Kansas City. And you're just like, what does that mean? Like, are, are those Shroop Bucks? Are those Stanley Nichols? Like, <laughs> you, you know, what's the correlation between leprechauns and unicorns? Like, you don't know. Right. This should this should make those articles make just a little bit more sense. And it's really not that confusing. The most confusing part, and we'll get to this later, the most confusing part is you have no idea how much allocation money each team has in their reserve. Uh, <laughs> and and that's on purpose by the league. So that that's the most confusing aspect of it. But just understanding how teams use the money, that's not rocket science. But yeah, so let's let's just start off quick. So I, my background is I was trained to be a history teacher. So I've been trained to just drill into people to cite your sources, cite your sources, cite your sources. And I'm getting flashbacks. Uh. <laughs> so I, I just want to go over right now what my sources are. The information I'm about to list off, it, if, if it has anything to do with rules, it comes from MLSsoccer.com directly. Any roster information related to Minnesota United, that comes from MNUFC.com. Uh, the 2019 salaries, they actually come from the Denver Post. And I will note that the 2020 salaries are, have not yet been made available. Any like details related to past transactions, those all came from various articles within the Minneapolis Star Tribune. And then I'm just going to make note, should we talk about anything that I got from any other source, all right? Right on. Let's just start off with roster requirements and how the salary cap works. You know, and as I said, we have 2019 salaries. We do not have 2000. We do not have 2020 salaries. But an active roster, it consists of 30 players. And we have 25 right now, I think. Yeah, 25. And... So your active roster is actually split between a senior roster and then a reserve roster. So your senior roster is up to 20 players and you have a salary budget or a salary cap of 4900000 that can be spent on at least 18 players. Now, with that salary cap, 
your maximum salary for a single player on your senior roster is going to be 612500 But as we know, there are plenty of exceptions, right? Like Zlatan wasn't making $612,000 a year. He was making significant more. And those exceptions come with GAM, so general allocation money, TAM, targeted allocation money, which may be used to buy down the cost of a player, or probably the more famous example, the one that would include the Zlatans of the world, would be the designated players, um, which each team's each team is allotted three, and we'll get to those later. How does the, the MLS determine how much senior players cost towards the salary cap? Yeah, so a player's hit towards the salary cap, it's going to depend both on their salary and then any transfer costs associated with that player. And then that's divided over the course of their contract. Now, throughout this episode, we're going to talk about many things that are unique to the MLS and completely different from Europe. But this is actually a similarity. Let's just throw out an example here. Let's just say as an example, you buy another player from a club for 600K. They earn an annual salary of 400K. And we'll say you you have them on contract for three years. So, okay, math teacher over there, what is their hit towards the cap? So 600K split between three years, that's 200K a year. 400K for the player. So 600K per year over over three years. Yeah. 1.8 mil. Exactly, yeah. man. So in the NFL, a lot of times you'll see teams front load contracts of star players, you know, to help them with the cap in future years. Does the MLS do this too? No, actually not. You hear about that all the time in the NFL. Um, but in the MLS and actually any of the big European leagues, you, you aren't able to have a player strategically structure their salary across multiple years in order to help the team in a certain year. There's no front loading. There's no back loading. It's simply you divide the cost of the player over the term of the contract. So, so then it's easier, you know, it's probably a better option then for them to stay with their guys, stay with young talent. Cause it's usually cheap and consistent, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. A big example right now in European soccer, I'm going to use my, my Chelsea FC as an example, uh, their leading goal scorer, Tammy Abraham, he right now, he's a very young guy. He, he very much is still developing and he's asking for what seems like an excessive amount of money based on his current development. But then you factor in that he is one of their academy graduates. And even if they made him their highest paid player on their team, he is still much cheaper than if they were to bring in a lesser talent to the club because they don't have to pay a transfer fee that goes against them. Gotcha. So it's like a leverage move. Yeah. Total leverage move. Yeah. Because basically it's in the club's favor financially to just pay up and give the guy his money. So before we move on, how does this system of the MLS having a salary cap, how is that different from the financial fair play rules used in Europe peeling leagues? Ah, man. Um, so financial fair play, that could, that could command a whole extra podcast. <laughs> and uh, Gam and Tam is already pretty ambitious for us, but... The basics of financial fair play are that a European club's expenditures, they can't amount to any more than their revenue over a three-year period. You, you know, it's not perfect. It does lead to some loopholes like, you know, having the owner's company pay up more sponsorship money, as you've seen with Manchester City, uh, which they're kind of in, you know, they're in uh, hot water for right now. Or, for example, with uh, Sheffield Wednesday and the English Championship, 
the club actually sold its stadium to their owner to bring in more money to try to make a push towards the Premier League. So it's definitely not a perfect system. And the clubs that bring in the most money can, of course, then spend the most money. So it doesn't necessarily result in much parity, but at least it just, it at least prevents an even more outrageous arm race than they already have. Right on, right on. So yeah, that that's the senior roster. But besides the senior roster, you do have the supplemental roster. You know, we said the senior roster could be up to 20 players, uh, but then you may have an additional 10 on your supplemental roster in the MLS. So your supplemental roster, it can consist of senior minimum salary players. So senior players that are making 81,375. They can consist of reserve minimum salary players. So those would be your players making 63,547 annually. Um, Of course, those players must be 24 or younger during the year. They can be homegrown players like our very own Fred Emmings. Um, Or they can be your Generation Adidas players. So the Generation Adidas player that Minnesota United has on roster, of course, is Dane St. Clair. So hold on. So we talked about how people factor into the cap. What happens when a guy like Dane St. St. Clair, he's on loan to San Antonio. Does he still count against the cap? Right. So loan players, they don't take up a roster spot, but the team is still accountable to their salary unless agreed upon in their loan agreement. So I haven't seen Dane St. Clair's loan agreement. Uh, It would very much depend on what San Antonio is paying towards his salary and what Minnesota still is. Gotcha. So kind of like I'm thinking manager mode in FIFA, I can, I can divvy up the percentages between my club and the other club that's loaning the player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what what about Generation Adidas? I've seen this term before, and I never know what it means. What What is that exactly? Right, yeah. I mean, this is another example of the MLS keeping things confusing. So Generation Adidas, it's a program by the MLS, and obviously, um, <laughs> you know, funded by Adidas. It's basically their way of, you know, signing the top college underclassmen. These underclassmen are now signed to these professional contracts by the MLS, and then they're made available in the MLS Super Draft. So it's it's all a system designed to keep the top NCAA talent staying in North America and not you know signing with the European club. So this generation Adidas stuff is directly related to the Super Draft. Then that's that's what I'm gathering. R- right, right. They're si- they're okay. signed to that contract, and then they're directly placed in the Super Draft. So we've had a lot of guys in this program in years past, you know, guys like Abu Dunlady, Mason toy, Dane St. Clair, Chase Gasper, you know, some other famous names that people have heard of that are also part of generation Adidas, DeMarcus Beasley, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador, Christian Roldan, et cetera. Right. So there's a lot of guys that go through this generation Adidas route. Yeah. And as long as they remain on their generation Adidas contract, they can remain on the club's supplemental roster, and then they don't count towards the cap. Okay. So eventually they graduate from Generation Adidas. So, you know, probably when they're 24, right? Is that that's that one of the restrictions? Uh, but that's why we only have Dane St. Clair right now, correct? Right, yeah, because Mason Toy was on there last year. So Mason Toy was on there last year. He graduated from that contract. Uh, so gotcha. same, same with Abu Dunladi. Um So, for example, with the expansion draft last year where Nashville and Miami were, you know, both welcome to the league, we had to protect a certain amount of players 
Generation Adidas players, they were excluded from being made available in the expansion draft. So we didn't have to protect Dane St. Clair, but because Abu Dinladi had graduated, we left uh, Abu Dinladi vulnerable and then he was picked up by Nashville. So it's one of those ways to help teams retain talent when expansion drafts happen, right? You don't have to worry about losing those guys to an expansion draft. For sure. You you have a little bit more option uh, to develop that player. Now, probably the most famous example of an exception towards the salary cap uh, is the designated player. Like all major American leagues, the MLS has a salary cap, which may confuse the foreign followers of the MLS. But unlike the other American leagues, the MLS has has these exceptions to the salary cap and they confuse us all. But let's start with the exception of the designated player. I mean, this one's pretty easy to understand because of all the attention it gets. Uh, Each team is allowed three designated players. You know, what's significant about these designated players is very little of their salary counts against the actual salary cap. Yeah. Uh, So the MLS actually has age-based tiers for the designated players and how they count against the salary cap. So if a player is 24 years or older, the most they will count against the salary cap is $504,000. If they are between the ages of 21 and 23, the most they will count against the salary cap is $200,000. And if they are 20 or younger, the most they will count against the salary cap is $150,000. So Thomas Chacon, he right now would count $150,000 against the salary cap. And that makes sense. That makes sense why, you know, they would invest a DP slot on such a young guy because it's way cheaper, right? Uh, You know, this this rule is definitely to incentivize teams to go get their stars. You know, the Chicharitos, the David Beckhams, Terry Henry's, Latans of the world, who are going to cost way more than 500K, Right. But then again, there's there's the incentive, like we talked about with Chacon, you know, pick up that hot young prospect, save some cap money, right? Totally, man. You know, so right now we have two designated players, and those players are Jan Gregish and Thomas Chacon. Of course, this was after we parted ways with Darwin Quintero over the offseason. And before that, uh, midseason last year, when we bought down the contract of Angelo Rodriguez to make him more of a TAM player. Uh, which we'll we'll get to what a TAM player means in a little bit. So what you're saying is, since we have two designated players, Sam, we got room for one more. We got room for one more, man. Next, let's talk about what the GAM and TAM players are, You know what what this allocation money is. This is infamous. Uh, This is infamous in circles who follow the MLS, just because, as as I said, it just seems like made-up monopoly money that teams are spending. But... It's a little bit more different than that. Um, Justin, I do remember you bringing up, put me on the spot in our very first episode, asking me about Gam and Tam when I was like sweating and, you know, stumbling (laughs) over my own words because I was just so nervous about doing this. I think it was one of the very first questions you asked me was about Gam and Tam. And I just didn't even know what to say. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry about that. I feel bad about that in (laughs) retrospect. But it led to this episode, right? It did lead to this episode. I, I know my my brother in law Adam. He he encouraged me to go out and figure what out, figure it out. I <laughs> did know what the acronym stood for and the general idea, right. but but I, like I, but like truly what they what they mean, right? That's yeah. What <laughs> yeah, of course. So we'll start with general allocation money or GAM. 
it's thought of as the more flexible of the two options of allocation money. So as of 2016, each club has been allotted $150,000 in GAM and then can be offered additional GAM should they, let's say, not qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs. So like our first two years? Yeah. Um, you know, transfer a player outside of the MLS. Um, if they don't currently have all three designated players spots filled on their roster. So as we said, we currently do not, but hopefully this changes. Yeah, or if, let's say, they lose a player in the expansion draft. A boo! Or if the league expands, then every team gets more GAM, which we did last year, right? Or if a team qualifies for the CONCACAF Champions League, that also results in more GAM. So what you think about, you, you, you think about what Seattle's doing. They brought in some solid depth with their move to bring in Miguel Ibarra. Maybe that's, you know, in hopes for that to happen for them. Yeah. Now, GAM can also be used to buy down up to 50% of a player's contract or transfer fees so that they are below that 600K maximum for a senior player because then they don't have to count as a DP. Now, just one more thing I want to add. There, there is a rule that you can't just, a team cannot just combine their GAM with their TAM to go and buy down a player. Which TAM is targeted allocation money, right? Yeah, targeted allocation money. TAM was introduced by the MLS in 2015, basically so that teams could attract and retain those players who command more than the maximum salary, which we, we've mentioned before is currently 612000 but they also make within $1 million of that maximum salary. So once a player makes you know, $1,612,000, then, then they no longer can be bought down with TAM. But before that, those players can be bought down with TAM. So guys like Ozzy Alonzo, who made you know, 697500 in 2019, Robin Lode, who had a guaranteed salary of you know, 952,000, um, they must have been paid down partially with TAM then, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know Lud for sure was reported as a TAM signing when he was announced. And I know more recently this year, Luis Amaria, Mr. 25 Goals, he actually was also reported as a TAM signing when we brought him in on loan. I want to add, not only can GAM and TAM be used to compensate players, but is also used as a currency when MLS teams are making player transactions with each other. Uh, so recently examples of the loons. So think about, you know, some of the trades that we've made, right? So when we, we pick up Tyler Miller, uh, we sent 150,000 in GAM and 50,000 in TAM. Uh, another move was when we sent Darwin Quintero to Houston uh, they sent us 300,000 in GAM and 300,000 in TAM over the next two, the next two seasons. Yeah, plus Marlon Hairston. So, and then, you know, when we think about the big move for Ico Parra, right, that kind of makes more sense now to talking about it as well. It's a big move to send the $900,000 in TAM that they did um, with an additional 100,000 TAM bonus after we made the playoffs. So they got a million dollars worth of our TAM, TAM money. Uh, for Ico Parra. I'd still say worth every penny. Defensive player worth of the year, right? <laughs> Cor- yes, correct. Yeah, and then, you know, it's hard to say exactly where all those dollars came from, but shortly before that, we had we had made that move of nearly $1 million, w- where we sold off Christian Ramirez to LAFC 
for a total of nearly one million in GAM and TAM. So how do you think our fan base would be would would think if we rephrased that we traded Christian Ramirez for Ico Parra? Do you think they'd be as bitter about that? I think the problem is, yeah, I think if you said it was a direct trade, I think that would make people feel happier about moving on from such a beloved player in, in Christian Ramirez, uh, especially now that Ico Parra has just become such a rock for the team. And, you know, he, he won defensive player of the year. Um, I think the hard part is, is that Ike was entirely Tam. You, you know, just the fact that Christian Ramirez was a mix of Gam and Tam, you, you know, it can't be, you, you know, it's not completely apples to apples. It's partially like apples for oranges as far as the acquisition of Icopara in relation to the departure of Christian Ramirez. So it's hard to say that it's hard to say that we just swapped those two. But yeah, I do think yeah. I do think if we put it that way, uh, people would be a little bit happier. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Um, so, so Sam, is there is there a list somewhere that we can nope. find out how much allocation <laughs> money each team has? No. It feels, nope. You know, like in, the more we talk about it, it feels like a lot of the finances, even though you're, we've got information, right, that you've found, a lot of these finances are still pretty, pretty secretive, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of this has to do, and this, again, could be another whole episode to itself. The MLS is a franchise-based league, uh, more in common with American-based leagues, where when most soccer leagues around the world are club based. So, you know, Chelsea or Arsenal, they join the league, right? Where all MLS teams are technically franchises of the league. So they are technically league owned, even though each team also does have an, have basically a franchise owner the same, the same way. Like if we're talking about McDonald's, right? Right. So I, I think that, that allows for the league as a whole to kind of make some decisions that make them more secretive. Um, you know, for ex- example, th- this was actually cited by um, Paul Tenorio in, in the athletic uh, in an article published in January, 2019 um, in this article, he answered all sorts of interesting questions uh, regarding Gam and Tam prior to me finding this article, I'd been looking all over the place to find some form of indication uh, regarding how much GAM and TAM Minnesota United had on hand uh, when I finally came across this article. Basically, what what he had said was the MLS chooses to not disclose the amount of allocation money that each team has as a way of basically not showing their hand when they're in contract negotiations. Gotcha, gotcha. you, You know, you, you think of Luis Amaria, you know, when we brought him in over the offseason, other teams couldn't look at how much Gam and Tam Minnesota had on hand to try to get more out of us. Gotcha. And I mean, that makes sense. I, I think I we get too caught up in the way other American sports are run. You know, like the NFL is probably the prime example of having a very specific cap structure Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, there's there's not much wiggle room within it. And every team knows every other team's finances. Right. That's you know, I'm a Vikings fan. And that was the big case going into this offseason. Not to talk too much football, but but they didn't have much money at all. And everybody knew it. Right. So they lost a ton of players because other teams knew they could they could give a guy a little bit more money. And they knew the Vikings had no chance of matching. Right. 
Yeah, that, that's a great example. <laughs> I loved uh, this offseason when it was released that Kansas City, I don't remember the exact number, but the Chiefs <laughs> essentially... $75? <laughs> yeah. Like they couldn't hire, a, they couldn't pay a paper boy, much less like, <laughs> you know, much less Patrick Mahomes, right? Somebody somebody made a quasi-fat joke on Twitter and said it was enough money for Andy Reid to get a dinner at a one of the famous KC barbecue joints. That's how much money they had left in their their salary cap. Oh, it's crazy. On a side well, note, you. have you had have you had Kansas City barbecue? I've never had Kansas City barbecue. It's always been on my list of things to do. Hasn't oh, happened man. yet. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Kansas City barbecue. I I like those sauce based uh, barbecue places. So right, right. Can- Kansas City is right up my alley. You know. I was really hoping before all this coronavirus stuff, I was really hoping that we could make it down for the away match at Sporting Kansas City, go hang out with our buddy Chad, you know, maybe Shout out Chad. Maybe maybe bring him on as a as a guest as a guest star when we when we do a show from Kansas, but maybe you know, one, in the future, right? Maybe yeah, once one, everything dies down. Yeah, Jack Stacks, um Oklahoma Joe's or now it's Kansas City Joe's, but because mm. calling it Oklahoma Joe's was confusing people, I guess. But <laughs> that one's crazy. It's in a gas station. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'll take I'll take twenty dollars on pump three and a rack rack of ribs, please. You, you actually could do that. Do? Yeah, yeah. It's an Ooh. active gas station, right? Like that's fantastic. Well, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. I hope that that wasn't too brutal. Uh, <laughs> You know, as we as we had some fun with finance, fun with finance, always fun. <laughs> I do. I do want to say that um, there was literally no Minnesota United news in the past week. And for that reason, we are going to go to biweekly shows. So we're no longer going to uh, publish a podcast every week uh, as long as coronavirus is going on. But we are. Yeah, we're basically going to be every other week. You know, our, our listenership, you know, not that we're complaining, but our listenership has dropped during coronavirus because, you know, I'm not listening to other soccer podcasts as much. There's no soccer going on. Right. That doesn't mean, though, that you can't still interact with Pod on You Loons because I will be hosting a pub trivia on the off week every other Friday at 730. So if you're interested, reach out. My wife and I will be hosting pub trivia on Friday, April 17th at 7.30 Central. It's it's live streamed on the Pod On You Loons YouTube channel. And then, uh, yeah, you can um, basically just interact with your team through Zoom or however you want to do it. But you can still, Pod On You Loons is still active. Um, <laughs> you know, Justin, last time we had, so last week we had 90 people, over 90 people, show up to play uh, pub trivia with us. So that was That's impressive. Sweet. Yeah. Now, it, I don't think it resulted in any more plays for the podcast. <laughs> maybe you should maybe you should have like a whole trivia section devoted to a podcast and yeah. like let the people know ahead of time, hey, if you want to get this do well on this section, listen to our episodes. <laughs> you know. That might well, work, right? Yeah, and I mean, I didn't I didn't really promote the podcast while I was doing it cuz I, I you know, I, people would have thought that was tacky or whatever, but I did have, I did have it on the YouTube channel and I made sure that we had our new logo and, 
you know, who knows? Shout, maybe hey, shout, shout out to my wife for that logo, by the way. Yeah, she did a great job with that. She did a really good job. Yeah. So that that's all we have for today. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing, though, before we go. Sure. Because the people want to know, did you finish Tiger King? <laughs> I watched the first episode. Oh, come on, Sam. Now, it's not like I watched the first episode and I've been just streaming a bunch of different shows since that. I, I think I watched the first episode and since that was about a week ago, that was last weekend, my wife and I watched the first episode. And since then, I think we've watched one episode of Peaky Blinders, which we had already been kind of working our way through. And there has been no other TV in, in the household. <laughs> just <laughs> being being quarantined and working full time with a kid. I've, I've said it before. It's uh, it's a, it's a different world. I just wanted to point out that I knew that you guys were watching the first episode because your wife, who never texts me, texted me. How much how much snakes am I going to see in this insane <laughs> show? That's <laughs> I w- there's still I w- a chance. <laughs> I will say it did hold our interest. Both Sarah yeah. and I hate snakes with a passion, but Tiger King did hold our interest. I think we'll gradually plug away at it. I hear that some just crazy stuff is going to happen that's going to really kind that's, of uh, have us on the edge of our... Like, every episode, Sam, is just a continuous, like, like you're just always saying to yourself, it can't get any weirder, right? It can't get any weirder. And it always does, Sam. I promise you. It always gets weirder. Highly recommend you finish it. Now, and I don't I, I hear some people are going to die or whatever. So I I don't know. <laughs> but just being totally about stereotypes here. Do you think the Tiger King shelters in place? <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but he's definitely sheltering in place right now. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, they say it in the first episode. He's in jail. Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> so right. he, is, he, is, he is definitely sheltering in place. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's not one of those guys out and about, you know, still. Oh, man. Well, that, that's, you know, it's the, the, the funny joke that I've seen other people talk about. And it's true. It's someone that, you know, I, I lived in Florida for, for like a three years when I was a kid and I have family there. It's like if you lived, if you've ever lived in Florida, that show isn't that weird to you because that's just what it's like to live in Florida, right? I think I mentioned that in the last show. It's just like Florida. So, <laughs> well, it's like on KFAN. They'll have you ever heard them play that game, especially on the morning show? The is this Florida or Wisconsin? Where <laughs> 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 they'll just read some crazy story and say, "Is it Florida or Wisconsin?" And it's almost <laughs> always Florida. Like Wisconsin is pretty much it, Minnesota. Right? <laughs> it's wisconsin is minnesota with more cheese and more 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 alcoholics probably too yeah probably but <laughs> <laughs> that's true maybe more <laughs> influence decisions take place in wisconsin right so right right i think those typically are when it is a wisconsin story it's almost always alcohol influence but <laughs> well good show sam so yeah gam and tam it's been explained at least at a elementary or 101 level right so gam and tam on new loons tam on new loons gam on you loons. <laughs> sure <laughs> all right peace out man see ya